0: Well, good morning. It is a real joy to be back at Haven Baptist Church. I appreciate you uh, having me this morning. I appreciate the generosity of your pastor to allow me to, to be here. I'd like to speak this morning on a topic that I hope to be relevant to all of us. You know, I was thinking, though, when uh, when we were singing the, uh, the song... Uh, because He Lives, could actually be the title of this morning's message. Um, because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow. That's a truth, isn't it? We, uh, this morning, I don't know, I really, I really do very poorly. Well, I do very poorly on a few things, but one thing in particular is naming sermons I put Jared on the spot this week. So whatever name you have in your uh, bulletin, or are up on the board. Uh, just you just changed it. There we go. See, this is the beauty of having a maestro here at the at the keyboard. Um, but the but but the point this morning is. Uh, Regardless of the title, you can call it a a systematic on suffering, you can call it a topical sermon on suffering, you can call it whatever you want to, but I hope that as we leave this morning that we will be encouraged and that we will be able to face tomorrow knowing that Christ lives and He will live uh, throughout all eternity and that we will live with Him and that's a a point of joy. We... uh, You know we live in a we live in a in a upside down world these days, don't we? So can you think of anybody that you know or that maybe you yourself this year twenty twenty have suffered? Let me ask it another way: Would the short list of people you know would be the ones that have not suffered this year in twenty twenty? At some level, we're all suffering through face masks. Uh, but they're useful, they're needful. I'm not, a, I'm not saying don't wear them. I'm just saying they're, they're a struggle. Uh, but obviously, if that's the only struggle that we have, then, then we're doing just fine. But you know, there are a lot of, there are a lot of theologies and a lot of worldviews out there that uh, would dispute that. You have the faith movement that says it's God's will for everybody to be happy and wealthy and healthy. And I don't think this pandemic is doing much for their theology. There's also, there's also the human worldview, the man-centered worldview that says it ought to be our goal to stamp out every sickness, all poverty, every bit of suffering in the world, no more hunger, no more pain in this world. Well, you know, biblically, that's not very sound. Because God uses suffering to bring about His purposes, and I'll look at some of that tonight, today. But as we, uh, as we think about some of those things, it'd be great, Just can I just be honest with you? As a human being, I, it would be great if we could stamp out all suffering, sickness, and poverty, and hunger, don't you think? But as a Christian, I know that that's not God's will for this world, but it is God's will for where we're going. Because he is going to wipe away every tear, he's going to wipe away every pain, he's going to wipe away every sorrow, and we will be blessed to to sit with him and reign forever. Suffering happens, and suffering happens to everyone, and suffering happens to Christians. Paul said in Philippians chapter one, verse twenty-nine, for it is given unto you on the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. That's curious, isn't it? You know, living in a Western culture, we don't we don't think it's God's will for us to suffer. Why why would we suffer? In fact, that's a worldview question that people struggle with. If God is good, why do his people have to deal with so much sorrow and struggle? If God's good, why is there even suffering in the world? Well, we're not going to take the apologetic of that today. But I want you to know that, that, a lot of, that good comes out of suffering. Good comes out of suffering. If you, think about the, if you think about the church in the book of Acts, you remember there they were, uh, they were all of one accord and they sold everything that they had and, and everybody, was, uh, everybody was given what they needed based on what they needed, right? And then came persecution. Then came jail for some. Then came death for some. And you know what happened out of that? That's that's an awful thing. Yes, it is an awful thing. But Acts, the book of Acts tells us that as they were dispersed, they preached the gospel. That was part of God's plan to, to, to spread the gospel throughout the region. It was Christians that were persecuted. And as they went, they preached the gospel. Suffering... This morning, suffering is multifaceted. In the text of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we see that. It comes in many forms. Paul said, we are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. I think that represents a physical suffering. Now, Paul may not have had this division in mind, but, but for this morning, I want you to think with me, okay? He says, we're perplexed but not in despair. Being perplexed is a, a mental and emotional struggle. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We see we, are, we suffer spiritually. We're struck down, and, but not destroyed, and that could either be emotional or physical. But notice with, notice with every one of these points of suffering, there's a point of hope. We're hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We're perplexed. We don't know why. But we're not in despair. We're persecuted. We're told that as sheep are led to the slaughter, we're killed all the day long. But not in despair. We're persecuted but not forsaken. We're struck down but not destroyed. So why is that true? Well, the rest of this passage, I believe, tells us that the life of always carrying about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, excuse me, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. You know, Peter tells us, and we'll look at this in just a moment, Peter tells us that Jesus left a, an, left us an example of how to suffer. I would encourage you to read the entire chapter of 1 Peter chapter 2. Actually, just go ahead and read the book. It's not long. It won't take you long. Just go ahead and read the book and then go back and read chapter 2 again. It's part of the context. It's part of the, it's part of the theme of that entire book and it's, it's marvelous for us. So suffering is not only multifaceted, suffering is multi-sourced. Sometimes we suffer because we live in a fallen world. Uh, we suffer, the, the, our fallen world has resulted in murders and adulteries and extortioners. It's also part of living in a fallen world is also we have pandemics and disease and cancer and death. Also living in a fallen world we have personal hurts we have injuries so we suffer at times because we live in a fallen world we also suffer because of our own foolishness have you ever done that so some of us have <clears throat> Paul says to the Galatians, "Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap." Uh, we do suffer. I, I apologize. I had to sit down, and uh, please don't take this as whining. This is just an example. Uh, I had to sit down because of forty years of stupid. I've uh, I, I taught martial arts for forty years, and now it's now my hip is. I'm going to the doctor Tuesday to see what's wrong with it. Well, I know what's wrong with it. It's my own doing. So sometimes we suffer because of our own foolishness. Sometimes we suffer because we need training from the Lord. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 6 says, For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. Now I won't take the time to, to, uh, to grow and to expound on all of these texts So we're just going through the topics of it, but I want you to know, sometimes God allows us to suffer because we need to grow in a particular area, a particular area of our life, and there's nothing that will run us to Jesus like trouble. In fact, the Christian life is a series of trials. We're, in your Christian walk, I think if you look back, you are, at any given point in your life, you are either coming out of a trial or you're going into a trial or God's giving you a break, preparing you for the next trial. The Christian life is a series of trials. Uh, so, and, and the things that we learn from those trials are valuable. The things that, the things that we learn from Bad relationships, the things that we learn from broken hearts, the things that we learn from losing loved ones, the things that we learn from, uh, from so many aspects of suffering in our life, nothing runs us to Jesus like trouble. Sometimes we suffer because we're faithful to Christ. I think it was read this morning. 2 Timothy 3.12 Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Jesus even prophesied to us and he told us that it's not because they don't love you because if you were of the world, they would love you. But because you're like me, they hate you. So living like Jesus brings, Paul was assured that if you live like Jesus, you're going to suffer. And Paul could speak, Paul could speak from his own experience. How many times was he shipwrecked? How many times was he imprisoned? How many times was he betrayed? How much burden was on him because of the upkeep of the churches? He was not a man of ease. Sometimes we suffer because, Because we need uh, strength in our faith. Suffering is multi James 1 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Now I really, just can I stop here for a moment? I really love, and I never thought I would ever say this, I really love the way the ESV translates this word it says that our that it brings forth that a testing of our faith produces steadfastness i love the way that it translates that i don't think it's accurate but i think it but i do love the way that that is because in a sense our patience is a result of steadfastness but james does say patience here but <clears throat> He says, and let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So sometimes we suffer because our faith needs strengthening. Sometimes we suffer for sanctification and purification. 1 Peter chapter 1 says, In this you greatly rejoice, though for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, May be found to praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus. There are times that suffering comes because, because we need to be purified. You know, I'm told, I'm told that uh, uh, in a refiner's crucible, when they put gold or silver or something that they're trying to purify, no, I've never done this. I've known people who have. But you can, you can talk to people who, uh, who have this experience, but they heat that, that gold up. And this is, what, this is what Peter's talking about here because our, our faith is like that gold that's been tried in fire. They heat it up until that, that gold actually becomes liquid. It is that hot, it melts. And because, because gold is a heavy metal, the, the impurities rise to the top and then the refiner removes those impurities and then that process is repeated and i am t- and i'm told that the way that a refiner can tell that the gold is becoming pure is that when it's in the crucible it, he can see his reflection I would submit to you this morning that when we're in the crucible, we, are, we can know that we're becoming more like Jesus because people can see the reflection of Jesus in our trials and in our sufferings, that we handle our sufferings like Jesus did. So how do we usually handle our sufferings? How do we usually handle it when hardship comes our way? Or Do we whine? Yeah, we do, don't we? We don't, especially as men, we don't like to think of ourselves as whiners, but we do. We do. We complain. But in a few minutes, I want to show you a biblical response to suffering. And it doesn't include complaining. Sometimes we suffer as a testimony for others. You remember the Philippian jailer, right? Uh, Paul was in jail, and he had been beaten. And they were there in the darkest part of the of the Roman dungeon, with the biggest rats of all. And they were singing. They were singing. And then when God shook the jail, the Philippian jailer didn't go to the extortioner that was in there. He didn't go to the murderer. He didn't go to to the philanderer. He didn't. He didn't go to anyone else. He went beeline straight to Paul and because of how they handled their suffering the Philippian jailer said hey I want some of that what must I do to be saved do you think that Paul uh, and Silas were singing gospel centered hymns you know they were they were singing the gospel to this, to this jailer and as the Lord convicted him and as the jail shook it became apparent that they were right. And he didn't mind that it might cost him his life. He wanted to give his life over to Jesus. So their suffering, their suffering was for a testimony to others. First uh, Peter chapter three, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you read this. Well, let me just read this verse. He says, But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you were blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats nor of their trouble, but sanctify the Lord in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks for you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. How does that tie in? He says... If you suffer, do so. Sanctify the Lord in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense for everyone who asks a reason for the hope that is in you. How would they know there's a hope within you? Because you suffer well. Because you suffer well. And they will come to you and they will say, what? What's up with you? What's, what's wrong with you? You're here, you're going through this trial, you're going through this suffering, and yet you have joy? There's your opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, this is real suffering, this is painful, this is hurtful, but I can have joy knowing that this is not the end of the story. I can have joy knowing that one day I will see the one that I'm mourning. I can have joy knowing that someday, even though I'm going, I'm going through this, a terrible affliction that one day Jesus is going to wipe all my tears away. Sometimes we suffer in order that we could develop compassion for others. I know I'm giving you a lot this morning. Okay? I, I don't expect you to remember it. But here's what, I, here's what I would do though. If you'd send me an email and Jared has my email, I'll send you everything here. Okay? But sometimes we suffer so that we can develop compassion for others. Have you, ever, have you ever talked to someone who, I have done this on multiple occasions, have you ever talked to someone that you thought, man, that's a harsh person? And then something traumatic comes into their life and they're no longer harsh. They kind of get it. I talked to a young man, I talked to a young man just about a month ago, who said, you know, Brother Andy, I used to make fun of people going through this certain circumstance. And now my wife and I have. And I can can empathize. I can sympathize. Paul even says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our tribulation, that we... He comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Sometimes we suffer because we need to learn compassion. Sometimes we suffer because we need to learn humility. You remember in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 when, when uh, Paul was at some level defending his apostleship and he said, He said, I knew a man about 14 years ago, whether in the body or out of the body, God knows. But he was taken up to the third heaven and was told things that are unlawful for men to speak. They were too glorious for a man to utter. And he says, and because of the revelation, I was assigned, I was given a thorn in the flesh, a buffeter from Satan, so that... I would not be exalted above measure. God saw in the life of the Apostle Paul that it was better for him to suffer some and to struggle than it was to, be, to become proud. And doesn't he do that for us? He does that. He certainly has done that for me. I've seen days, I've seen days when I thought, yeah, Andy, you got this thing down. And then God steps in and it's like, you know, I don't guess I do, do I? And maybe that's never been the case for you, but it's certainly been the case for me and others that I've noted. Sometimes the purpose of suffering is to develop a closer and genuine relationship with God. The psalmist says in Psalm 119, it is good for me that I've been afflicted that I may learn your statutes. Do you know what that means? It's good that I've been afflicted So that I can learn your statutes? Well, I'll tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that God has whipped me until I studied my Bible. That's not what it means. It means that through life, the afflictions of life have brought me to understand more of who God is, more of the teachings of the truth of the gospel. My afflictions have turned me to God and now without them I would not understand the practical outworking and outliving of the word of God like I do now. But it's been good that I've been afflicted because now I get it. Now I get it. Sometimes our suffering is a way to show Christ-like behavior. To the world, Now I would just, I would, I would tell you to read, like I said, all of, all of First Peter, but uh, certainly the second chapter. But this one verse sums up the chapter. It's, it's First Peter two, verse twenty one. He says, "For this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps." Now you guys stay with me, okay? Stick with me this morning. I'm not trying to depress you. I'm trying to encourage you. I'm trying to I'm trying to show you that even in our trials, even in our struggles, God is for us. I don't know how people without Jesus can make it through some of the trials of this life. It seems like a it seems like an a, an overpowering uh, an overwhelming situation to, to face this life without the hope of God. Well, brothers and sisters, we have that hope. Amen? <clears throat> Let me read you something from David Pallison. Uh, Dr. Pallison went home to be with the Lord just a few months ago. I don't know if you know who David Pallison is, but he is a, was a great teacher, a great author. And he wrote this passage out of his book, Suffering and the Sovereignty of God. He says, when you've passed through your own fiery trials and found God to be true to what He says, you have real help to offer. (coughs) You have firsthand experience of both sustaining grace and His purposeful design. He has kept you through pain, He has reshaped you more into His image. What you're experiencing from God, you can give away in increasing measure to others. You are learning both the tenderness and the clarity necessary to help sanctify another person's deepest distress. Suffering, as far as God is concerned, is never wasted, but it trains us. You know, sometimes God delivers His children from suffering. Sometimes, and which is more often times... God delivers his children through suffering. But 100% of the time, God delivers his children. I think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Abednego. You remember, they weren't going to worship the king. They weren't going to worship the king. And the king said, in his anger, Look. You guys are toast. No pun intended. But he heated up the furnace, and he says that we're we're going to throw you in here unless you unless you serve me. And they said, "Can I? Can I?" Andy's paraphrased. Can I just do that for us? They said, "King, if you throw us in this fiery fiery dungeon, this fiery furnace, and God delivers us, that's great." If you throw us in this fiery furnace and God doesn't deliver us, that's okay too because we're through talking about are we going to worship you or not? So they committed their hands. One way or the other, they were fine with whatever brought whatever God brought. And we know that for those Hebrew children, God delivered them both from the fire and through the fire. It's an amazing story Uh I love that text. And we ask the question, can death really be... You know, if we die through through suffering, if we die through a trial, if we die through martyrdom, can that really be good? I would challenge you to read Isaiah 57. My wife and I were reading that yesterday together. And in the context there, this is the most... This is a most incredible passage. God says to Isaiah... The righteous perishes and no one takes it to heart. Merciful men are taken away while no one considers that the righteous is taken away from evil. In other words, when a believer in God dies, he is removed from his suffering to pleasure. Man, just think about that. Because he lives, right? We can face tomorrow. Paul understood this and had a biblical worldview because he said, for me to live is Christ. For me to die is gain. He said, Lord, it's up to you. Just, just bring whatever you want. I'm, I'm happy either way. You know, also suffering has multi-comforts. When we acknowledge that we're suffering to God... Then God brings us comfort. We just read about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. But Jesus Himself cried out to the Father in his suffering. He said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me, Matthew 27? Do you remember just a few passages, just a few texts back, he was in the garden and he said, <clears throat> If there's any way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So Jesus really suffered. It wasn't just an illusion. He really suffered. But in his crying out to his Father, he was given strength to go through the cross. David cried out in the Psalms. David cried out, Keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in you. Psalm 25. And brothers and sisters, when we cry out to God, God gives us comfort. He gives us peace in storms. He gives us shelter. He gives us hope. He is our pavilion. He is our rock. We find comfort also in understanding a biblical worldview of suffering. What does the Bible really say about suffering? We're not we're kind of going through a little study on that this morning, but I gotta tell you, I am skimming the mountaintops on the topic of suffering throughout the scripture. I would challenge you to do a more in-depth study than I'm giving you this morning in hopes that it would give your heart comfort. What does the Bible say about suffering? We just read Psalm 119, It's good for me that I've been afflicted. Job says, Shall we indeed accept good from God and shall we not accept adversity? Genesis 50 uh, Joseph said, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about as it is this day to save many people alive. God often accomplishes his purposes through suffering. We find also find uh, comfort when we understand the biblical view of God. So let me ask you this. If I were to, and, and, you're, and I'm going to ask you this, a couple of you give me an answer. If you don't give me an answer, I'm going to assume that you're suffocating behind the mask, okay? When I say God, what comes to your mind? I'm sorry? Awesome? Is that what somebody said? Holiness? Perfect? Best friend, sovereign, indescribable, Indescribable. omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, holy, good, love. All of those things the Bible describes God as just, righteous, all of those things. His judgments are true, His judgments are pure, His judgments are right. Everything God does is right. If we can get a real worldview of who God is, then suffering, suffering is okay. See, can you really do that? Please read Paul's life. From the time Paul became a believer in Acts chapter six to the time he died in Rome, He was under persecution. He wasn't given a break, but he knew in whom he had believed and was persuaded that he was able to keep those things that he had committed to him against that day. And it was all worth it to Paul. So a biblical view of God will help us and give us comfort in these times of suffering. In fact, Isaiah 46, I love this text. He says, remember the former things of old, for I am God. He's explaining to Isaiah who he is. And there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man who executes my counsel from a far country. Indeed, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will do it. Everything that happens in your life, in my life, everything that happens, <coughs> happens for ultimate good and God's glory. I guess you guys are familiar with Romans 8.28, right? You ever, you, and I'm sure that you have tied Romans 8.29 there with that verse. He says, For all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. And those He foreknew, He also predestined to be called, conformed into the image of his son. That's the reason that part of, that's part of the reason we suffer is so that we can become more like Jesus. God I'm not, I'm, I want to give you this homework assignment because I see that the clock has not stopped ticking but Almighty God is with you and he is for you. He is in your favor even in times of suffering and it may feel like you're alone. But you are not, my friend. If you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you are trusting in the sacrificial substitutionary death that He died on the cross at Calvary, and you are, you are believing that God has forgiven your sins based on the fact that His Son died for them, that I want to tell you, God's for you. Just a sample of Romans 8, 31-39. through 39. What shall we say to these things if God is for us? Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it, is, as it is written, for your sakes we are killed all the day long. You know, and that's not the rest of the text. That's not the rest of that chapter. But did you notice? Have you re- have you read that passage and understood that Paul did not mention one thing that we consider good suffering persecution, death, we're killed all day long. He goes on to talk about what cannot separate us from the love of God. Nothing created can separate us from the love of God. But in this list he doesn't say uh, he doesn't say health, wealth and prosperity. he says there's nothing that can separate us no matter what we suffer. God is still with us. God is still for us. Whatever God does in your life, His mercy is there. Psalm 145 says, The Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies are over all His works. Whatever God does in your life, His grace is there. And He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul says... in 2 Corinthians 12 therefore most gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me Paul got it Paul understood that suffering was for his good so in closing you know what it means when a Baptist preacher says in closing right nothing it it just means nothing I'd like to give you a biblical response. We've, we've looked at a lot, a lot of Bible texts today, you know. And I hope that's okay because I'm sure that you would rather hear God's word than my opinion. But let me, let me give you a brief overview of a biblical response to suffering. How should we respond biblically? Well, I looked for the text that said we can whine and complain. But I did not find it. I'm sad to say, because that's my nature to whine and complain. And I'm sure it's yours at times. The biblical response to suffering, like so many things, is counterintuitive. You know, biblically, uh, Christian leadership, Christian rulership, uh, is counterintuitive to what the world says. The world says the world measures greatness by how many people serve you. God measures your greatness by how many people you serve. And the way to being exalted is the path of humility. Very counterintuitive our God is. Very counterintuitive to our flesh. But a biblical response is always to be looking beyond the circumstance to Christ and and not focused on the circumstance let me stop here before I give you this text <clears throat> and let me just say, I'm not, I am not by any means trying to convey to you, and if this is what you're hearing, then please forgive me for not doing a good job. I am not by any means saying that suffering is not suffering and that suffering is not hard and that suffering doesn't bring tears and that suffering doesn't bring brokenness. I'm not saying that at all. And I'm not saying that when we're suffering, we should just be flipping about it and look at our clock. Well, can't wait till this is over. That's not the approach at all because it's genuine suffering. But our attitude toward the suffering will make all the difference in the world. In Hebrews chapter 12. <clears throat> We read, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run the, with endurance the race that is set before us. The race, we're running the race. We've confessed the sin. We've set off the weights. And our goal, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And he, he is not only our goal, but he's our example. Listen to this. Who, Jesus. For the joy that was set before him, what was the joy? Go ahead, brother, what was the joy? Amen. John 17, I can't wait, and he's paraphrased here again, I can't wait to be reunited with you and with the ones you've given me in the glory that I had with you before the foundation of the world. He was looking forward to that. He was also looking forward to purchasing the redemption of his bride. There were so many things he was looking forward to, but in order to get here, he had to go through the cross. And that's what this passage says. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and now has sat down at the right hand Of the throne of God. It was an eternal perspective. An eternal goal. That. Encouraged and enabled Jesus. According to this text. To go through the suffering. The shame. The ridicule. The humility. God humbled. In order to go through that. On our behalf. very counterintuitive biblically we are to become not just are we to uh, not focus all of our attention on our circumstances if we do we may miss the point but to look to Jesus beyond our circumstances biblically we're to come we're to become content with God's will that comes to pass in our life remember the Garden of Gethsemane let me just say this again not your will, Not my will, but your will be done. And Jesus taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, God, whatever you want is what I want. Whatever you see fit to be good in my life, I want to embrace it as good. Here's what Paul said about becoming content to the Philippians. He said, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. And here's the rest of that. I know in his contentment in in God's place where God has him, I know how to be abased. And I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I've learned both to be full and to be hungry. And both to abound and to suffer need. And here is one of the most misquoted passages In all of scripture, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So what's the context of that? The context of that is suffering. What he's saying is that through Jesus and the strength that Jesus gives and the strength that God's word gives, I can can endure all suffering because he's with me. I can endure the hardship through the strength that comes through Jesus. He's not talking about running faster and jumping higher. He's talking about enduring because he knows that, that that joy is coming. Joy should be one of the responses we should have as sons and daughters of God. That's what that's what James said. My brother encountered all joy when you fall into virus, various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. So let me let me just back up. We talked about the patience and and the, what suffering builds in us. Okay, the perfect work, that we could be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. But he says, so let's just go back to the first of the verse. James says, count it joy. Is that counterintuitive to you? Or am I just, am I the only one? But here's the thing. Why would we count it joy? Not because we're glad we're suffering. Not because we're glad we're going through different kind of trials. But Trials are assumed on the behalf of a Christian. We can count it joy knowing that on the other side of this trial, we will be a better Christian. Because this trial, we don't, we don't rejoice that we're suffering, but we rejoice at what God is doing in our life. He is building in us patience, <clears throat> endurance, strength and faith we're to rejoice because of future reward for suffering well you read about that in Matthew chapter 5 you remember when he's when he's preaching the sermon on the mount and he says blessed (coughs) excuse me blessed are you when men revile you really you're blessed how many of you like it when somebody reviles you how many of you like it when somebody slanders you? I do you like it when somebody says something about you that's not true? I don't know about you, but that really gets under my skin. But Jesus said, you're blessed. You're blessed. He said, blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. And then he says, rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven, for, for so persecuted they the prophets who were before you. In other words, you can get a prophet's reward because they're reviling you for being a Christian. Huh. Paul got that too. He's in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. For our light affliction, do you see how he viewed his suffering? Our light affliction is but for a moment. Speaking of future reward, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. You know that when you're suffering and you suffer well, there's reward for you. Suffering is to be a church-wide event. 1 Corinthians 12 says, And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, All the members rejoice with it. Romans 12, he says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Haven Baptist Church, I want to challenge you. When your brother or your sister is suffering, don't turn a blind eye. It is a way for you to express the gospel through your life. It is a way for you to express your love for God and your love for your fellow man. And you know those are the two greatest commandments. To love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourself. What would you want someone to do if you were suffering? Ignore it? Probably not. Probably not. And stay focused on eternal perspective. Paul said in Romans 8... For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now church, it has been my goal to bring an encouraging message through a discouraging topic. And I can't help but but to go back to the very beginning. And don't worry, I'm not preaching it again. But because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Through COVID-19, through financial hardship, through physical disease through life or through death our God is with us and our God is for us now I'm not sure what you guys do for an invitation but I would like you for just a moment take just a moment to just close your eyes and bow your head think about what you've heard this morning And then I will turn it back over to this brother. Lord, we struggle in this life. And no one is more aware of of our struggle and of struggle at large than you are because you are a man acquainted with grief. You knew sorrow well. And Lord, we don't have a high priest that is not sympathetic with our afflictions, but was in all ways tempted as we are, yet without sin. Lord, help us to keep you as our goal and keep you as our example in these days of trial in Jesus name